Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles today to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse... One, and I'd like for her to read this short verse all together. Let's read it out loud and read it loudly today. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this now concerning, look at your screens if you wouldn't, let's read it together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Ignorance not stupid, ignorance just uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. You know, there's a lot of people who are uninformed about spiritual gifts. Uh, If you're uninformed about something, you tend to just back off and tend to just say, well, either we're not going to do it or or we'll just overshoot it and do it. No, he wants you to be informed about it. Anything that you're going to do, you want to be informed about it and you want to step in and do it the right way, especially the things of the Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that as we open up our hearts today to you, that you would help us to be informed. Teach us by the Holy Spirit today. Teach us by the Word of God today exactly what you want us to know. Come on, would you open your heart and just ask the Lord, Lord, teach me today about spiritual things, about spiritual gifts, I pray, in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. You know that the biggest barrier to truth is assuming that you already have it? <laughs> the biggest barrier to understanding and to learning is assuming you already know what there is. Well, I'm just going to see how whatever we're talking about today lines up with what I already know. No, we have to stay hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember a while back, my wife and I, we've been married for 22 years, and I remember uh, there's several occasions we have a, a, an ongoing disagreement about something for over 20 years. And, the one, and, and this is about vacuum cleaners. She just knows it's about vacuum cleaners. See, because I believe in let's buy something and let's, and, let's, and let's buy something that's really good, like if it's commercial industry, you know, uh, level or whatever it is. And then if something breaks, you just fix it and you keep going back on let's make sure. She will see something like, you know, oh, I want to buy, you know, the Dyson or I want to buy this or I want to buy that. Or, and, but I bought this commercial. I brought it home one day, this big commercial vacuum cleaner. She said, look at that big old thing. I said, yeah, but we'll have it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I remember when we'd vacuum this thing and she'll retreat back to it, but it was hard. In fact, when we left California, she said, can we just leave it here? I said, no, no. If we need, if we have a part, I can order the part and fix it. These vacuum cleaners nowadays, you can't, you know, go. Well, so finally I broke down this last week. I was weak. I broke down and succumbed to the pressure of my wife. <laughs> and she said, can I just go in and buy this good vacuum cleaner? And I said, yeah, okay. So she went in and bought, you know, uh, this vacuum cleaner uh, at the beginning, or I guess it was during Christmas time. She went ahead and bought it. And then I take this little cheesy thing out, you know, but, but this big, and you can, it kind of goes around corners and does all this. And I said, ah, let me try out this vacuum cleaner. And I remember she wasn't home one day, and I said, I'm just going to try it when she's not here. And, you know, I'm not going to say much about it. Let's see how it works, you know. So I vacuumed the whole house, you know, all the way around. And I thought, this thing does not work good. I mean, I'm, I, of course, it gets around corners and gets around these little things, but this thing does not have, I, I mean, I, it took me longer to finish the whole house. I said, I can't wait till she gets home. Right there, I'm going to tell her about this cheesy vacuum cleaner that she bought. Well, right there at the end, I go to shut it off, 
And when I hit it again, it went, like, I didn't know it had two, two levels of power. You know, I was, I was doing it with half power, and I was about to tell her, this thing doesn't work. And then I realized, and I tried it with that full power, and I said, man, this thing works good. I'm not going to tell her, though. I'm not going to tell her it works, it works good. Do you know that there's a lot of people, I believe, who are saved, and they're going to heaven, but they live with half power? And they walk around and they talk about how hard the Christian life is, how difficult it is to live for Jesus. How dip- Well, there is a good fight of faith, but do you know that the Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be witnesses? In fact, Jesus, Jesus said before you leave, he told them, he commanded them to wait in Jerusalem to receive an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God has also given the church gifts? For us to function and operate in. They're like superpower. They're extra charge. And sometimes because we don't know that those gifts are available to us, we don't access those gifts. And then we talk about, well, I guess I'll just hope and, and pray and beg and kind of be. And we don't enter into and access the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of God in our life. I want to, by the way, I want to, uh, to highlight this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we are having a prophetic weekend uh, Friday night, it's going to start at 7 o'clock. We have it's a couple hours, on, on, I think, on Friday night. And then we have Saturday morning from 9 to 12. Would you come out and be a part of that? It's going to be very practical. Uh, in other words, we're going to have practical ways and steps to be able to operate prophetically in our lives, to be able to listen to the Lord and step out on the things that he, that he has in our lives. Sometimes it could feel very, it's so natural, it's the supernatural. Sometimes people are, are, are seeking after the spectacular and missing just the supernatural. The supernatural working of the Lord is often, it feels very natural when you begin to just know how the Holy Spirit functions and flows with you. So come out uh, on this Friday and this Saturday, and then uh, Nick Goff will be speaking uh, this weekend. He's a good friend of Tiffany and I's, he and his wife Robin. And, uh, and we're really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great time. We also have a ministry opportunity uh, that's open. Uh, we need uh, some help with kids uh, ministry because we really want to take care of our kids during these sessions. And we don't have uh, many people signed up for that. And then uh, also with greeting, okay? So if you'd like to come and greet, if you're a nice person, if you don't like people, don't sign up for that, okay? But uh, if you just come and greet or come and be a part of kids, would you just uh, sign up and let us know or come talk to one of us and we'll make sure to get you signed up for one of those sessions, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. There are several passages in the New Testament that talk, that point out the gifts that God gave the church, the gifts. And many times you'll see people just lumping all the gifts together and just say, what do you have? The gift of this or the gift of that. And they're, you know, they say, well, there's 12 gifts or there's 20 gifts or there's 25 gifts. There's all these gifts. But I just want to categorically break these down a little bit to you and break them down into two sections. One are ministry gifts one are ministry gifts, and one are spiritual gifts. Okay, now I know that other, some people will break it down into four categories, three categories, different categories, but I'm going to break it down into two gifts, ministry gifts and spiritual gifts. The ministry gifts, I'm going to break down into two areas. One is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we would know these as five-fold ministry gifts. Okay, it says this, Therefore he says, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8, When he ascended on high, this is Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts 
to men. Who did he give gifts to? Yeah, so the, what we call five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are not to lord over, but they're gifts to the body of Christ. They're gifts to people if we'll receive them as gifts. In fact, the Bible says if you receive prophets in the name of a prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. So it's important to receive the ministry gifts. It says in verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Notice, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice where the ministry is found here. The, the work of the ministry is found throughout the whole body of Christ. In other words, you don't just have ministers who are in the fivefold. The whole body of Christ is ministers, but this fivefold ministry gift is supposed to equip saints so that they can do ministry. Do you know that the majority of ministry to be done is not in the church? I said the majority of ministry is not in the church. It's wherever God's called you. God's called some to be, you know, a, a, a worker, uh, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at a fast food place. God's called some people to be a, a, a trash truck driver. God's called doctors. God's called lawyers. God's called health care practitioners. God's called people in the sales industry. God's called owners of companies. God's called people all over. But wherever he's called you and wherever you are, you're a minister in church and outside of church. And so the role of the fivefold is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is a fivefold ministry. And then uh, it actually goes along in the end of 1 Corinthians, and he kind of validates these, and he says some of the fivefold, and then he adds some others. Look at this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 it says, and God has appointed these in the church. And notice he goes and names these again. He says, first, apostles, second, prophets. Now, I want you, want you to notice the order that he says it in. He says, first, apostles. Why? Because apostles are primarily uh, overseeing the doctrine, the way things are. In fact, in the book of uh, Acts, you know, it says they were strong in the, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, right? In the breaking of bread and prayers and fellowship. And that's how they did. Why? Because the apostles, an apostle is a sent one. He's sent or she's sent to a place and they, they come and they establish a place and they establish the doctrine. And he says, first, apostles, second, prophets okay so the prophets come in alignment with that he says third teachers after that notice so we see if the fivefold ministry is apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers i want you to see where this is he says first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles and gifts of healings a lot of times you'll see that flowing with the evangelist and they're flowing right in line with evangelists evangelists that that will go around and flow in those things. He says, after that, then helps and administrations. Administrations in the King James and others, it says governments. We would see that's where a pastor or someone in leadership who's setting up things in churches, and he says, and helps. What is helps? It would be support ministry that you'll see in different areas. So let me tell you, God is not just a go-with-the-flow God. Though, though he is a God uh, that, that will speak in due time and you didn't expect him to and those things, God is a God of structure and God is a God of order. And you see it both in Ephesians and you see it also here in 1 Corinthians that he lays out these ministry gifts. And he goes and he says, are all apostles? And what would be the answer? No. He's saying, are all prophets? 
No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. By the way, there's a lot of people who say people can't speak with tongues because he says, do all speak with tongues? No, but he's talking about this in context to the church, the operation of the church. He's saying, do all stand up and do a tongues and interpretation? No. Do all have gifts of healings and flow in that? No. All of those don't uh, function in those manifestation gifts. He's saying this in, in the context. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? It's whatever's needed to bless the body, to edify the body, right? If there's a gift that's needed, earnestly desire it. Why? Because we love the church and we want to love the church the way the Lord loves the church. Earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. So in ministry gifts, I, I went over the fivefold ministry gifts, but there's also what we, what we would call the motivational ministry gifts. These are gifts of the body. These are gifts that every single person can flow in. Every one of us should have a gift or one of these gifts that you flow in. And there's seven of them. You look in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse four, it says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. <laughs> in other words, your, 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 your hand can't do what your foot can do. <laughs> How, how would it be if you just took your hands off and you put them on your feet and you started walking around on your hands? How long would you walk? <laughs> Maybe about three feet, <laughs> right? Or you get tired really quick. Why? They, 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 they're all part of the same body, but they have different functions. And we all have different functions. And we can't look at one and say one's better than the other. We're all needed. When one part of the body hurts, who hurts? We all hurt, right? When one part of the body wins, who wins? We all win together. So he says we have many members in one body, but all members don't have the same function. So we being many are one body of Christ, in Christ, and individually members of one another. Notice we're not just members of the Lord, we're members of one another. You can't say you love the Lord, but hate your brother. Why? Because we're connected. We're partnering. I just don't like them. Well, whether you like them or not, you're connected, Right? He says in verse 6 here, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is give, given us. Notice you have gifts and you have grace that supports the gifts. The grace empower the gifts that God's given you, right? It's like having a, 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 a power tool, but you don't have the, you know, an electronic power or electric power tool, but you don't have the battery that goes with it, right? The empowerment to the gift is the grace. And we all need the grace of God to flow with the gifts. He says, we all have grace that's given to us. And he says, having then gifts different according to the grace that's given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts or encouraging in exhortation or encouragement, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there are seven different ministry gifts or motivational gifts that are for the body of Christ that we all can flow in. A lot of these are support gifts. There's gifts of administration. There's gifts of helps that flow along with that. And all of us should flow in that. And I think it's important for all of us to be able to know that that's actually what this growing together class, class two, we're going to go over uh, those things that we'd love for you to get in if you've never done that before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, again, it says, Brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. He says, 
concerning spiritual gifts. The word spiritual gifts is actually one word. It's the Greek word pneumatikos. It actually doesn't say spiritual gifts. It actually just says spirituals. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. And there's a lot of people, again, who are ignorant concerning spiritual things. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. They're, all, they're a spirit-filled church. They spoke in tongues. In fact, they spoke in tongues maybe too much in the church. They spoke in tongues a lot, right? And Paul didn't rebuke them for that. Paul just brought some order uh, in what they were doing. Paul was writing to the church of Corinth. He was bringing some order and application of the gifts of the Spirit in a church setting, when they brought into a church setting. Sometimes people will take this into a private setting and see, say, see, the Lord doesn't want us to focus and operate and pray in the Spirit and these things on a regular basis. But no, he's saying in a corporate setting, in a church setting, let me bring some structure and application. He shows how the gifts of the Spirit, here's a couple of things he does, aren't an in, in of, of themselves, but they're used for the body. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit are not to show off. The gifts of the Spirit are not to show how good a man is or a person is or how much God is using you. Let me stand up and get the focus on man. No, the gifts of the Spirit are to edify and build up the body of Christ. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12 right here, even so you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, in other words, you're pumped up about spiritual gifts, make sure that you're excited about it for the edification of the church. That's why you seek to excel. Make sure that you desire spiritual gifts so that the church will be built up and not you. How the gifts, uh, and, and also he shows about how the gifts of tongues are used in a church setting. The layout of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 is this way. Chapter 12 is laid out that you need multiple spiritual gifts. There's nine spiritual gifts that he points out, and there's, there's multiple spiritual gifts that will operate in a church. Verse uh, chapter 13, he talks about the need for unselfish motives in manifestation. In fact, he says, even though I have all faith and even though I prophesy, but I don't have love. I don't love people. He says, I'm nothing. My gifts matter nothing, which means the most important thing in all the gifts is what? Love. That we have love for the body. And if we ever lose for the, the love for the body and we begin to compound mix our gifts with selfishness, it gets into really the demonic. It gets into the wrong, well, the wrong realm. We need to always make sure that the gifts of the Spirit are supported by love for the Lord and love for his body. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he talks about the need for self-control and keeping order in the manner of edification and corporate services. So he tells the church to desire spiritual gifts. Can I ask you this morning, do you desire spiritual gifts? I mean, really, do you have a desire to flow in spiritual gifts? Some of you say, I never thought about that before. But the Bible says, desire them, and especially desire to prophesy. Can I ask you, do you desire to prophesy? Some might say, I didn't know I could. No, it says it right there. Desire to prophesy. Why? Because you have a heart to build up the church, right? And that's what it does. The last verses of these three chapters, the very last verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40, he ends by saying all these things, let all things be done decently and in order. I want you to notice there's two sides of it. This is kind of how he wraps it up. I'm just giving you an overview right now, okay? I'm giving you kind of an outline. Let all things be done. Notice, let, let, it, let it happen in the church. Let tongues happen. Let interpretation of tongue let the gifts flow right 
Some people, don't forbid it. Don't hold it back. You know, there's some churches that said we don't let the gifts happen. But the Bible says, let it happen. Let all things be done. But then he gives the other side, decently and in order, right? There's an order to it. Some, some people will jump on the side of let it be done. Woo, let's go for it, right? And let's just, let's just, and other people shut it down. On the other side, decently in order. No, we need to make sure everything's done decently in order. No, you're not even letting it be done. So let it be done, but let it be done with some, with some flow and some systems that the Lord lays out. And Lord, we ask you to help us here at Memphis Tabernacle to do it the way the Lord wants us to do it, not the way that someone has just taught out there, but let us, show us by the Holy Spirit how to allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow. Now, I want you to look in 1 Corinthians, and let's look back at our text. This is our teaching book. Uh, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. We read verse 1, and verse 2 says this. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. He's not saying dumb like stupid. He's saying like dumb like they didn't speak, right? And he says, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, the people that he was writing to were Gentiles. They were people that they weren't Jews, and these were people who previously worshipped idols. They would worship different idols. They would give themselves. They were motivated by wrong spirits, and they would even speak out things by these wrong spirits that these spirits would, would draw their attention to. And what would happen is church history tells us that these people who used to worship idols would come into a church setting, and when the Holy Spirit would begin to minister in a church setting, these people who were used to giving in to wrong spirits would speak out certain things. In fact, some would even speak out and say, Jesus is accursed. And they would say different things that weren't of the Spirit. In other words, they may have been hearing from the Spirit, but they're also hearing from a different spirit. And he's saying, make sure that you know that whoever, uh, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking of the Spirit of God will call Jesus a curse. He's pointing that out specifically. And no one could say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Speaking by the Spirit of God will not attract attention to man. It'll always attract attention to God, right? It's, it's speaking by the Spirit of God. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's drawing attention that Jesus is Lord. Um, make sure that when you speak that you're not just making things up. Sometimes people want to be prophetic or they want to step out and speak. And so they're trying to fit in with everybody else so that people will know they're spiritual. Make sure that you're not just speaking things. Make sure that they're coming from the heart of the Lord. That's what he's saying here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. We, we, we move on. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit. Can you say the manifestation of the Spirit? He says, is given to each one for the profit of all. I want you to notice the manifestation. There's nine manifestations he gives, and they're given to each one to profit everybody. In other words, it's not that everybody's going to get all nine manifestations, but he's going to give a manifestation to one so that they can speak it out and other people can be edified. We're all supposed to desire spiritual gifts. We're not supposed to all desire that we all flow in all the spiritual gifts. 
Different people will flow in different gifts. And do you know that none of us possess a spiritual gift, one of these nine spiritual gifts? Some people say, I have the gift of discernment. Well, first of all, the gift of discernment isn't in the Bible. And it's not here in this passage, right? Maybe people mean a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a discerning of spirits. But there are different operations on each one of those, and we're going to go over those. But every one of us, do you know that every one of us, if you have Jesus living on the inside and you're born of the Spirit of God, we all have access to all nine spiritual gifts. You have access to them. But you can't access them whenever you want. The Bible says on all these, it's as the Spirit wills. It's not as you will. Oh, I think I'm going to give a word of wisdom. You better not. I think I'm going to give a word of knowledge right now. You better not if it's not the Lord leading you to do it, right? But let's also, on the other side, let it be done, but decently in order. Let's make sure that we're available to the Lord. So there's diversity of gifts. That just means different gifts by the same Spirit. And verse 7 says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to individuals to profit the whole church, to profit the whole church. He gives us special tools. You know, I remember uh, watching an interview by Hank about, with Hank Aaron. Remember that uh, baseball player that would just knock these things out of the park? Known and he beat Babe Ruth's record. They were asking him about uh, Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds was taking these performance uh, enhancement drugs. Well, he actually beat the record of Hank Aaron, you know, for home runs. And then they came and they found out that he was taking... Uh, these performance enhancement drugs. And this is a big thing, you know, especially the Olympics are coming up uh, this summer. And they test them all for anabolic steroids and for all these performance enhancement drugs. Why do they do that? Because they don't want you to have an unfair advantage over other athletes, right? And, uh, but do you know that the spiritual gifts, if we can flow in them, we have an unfair advantage over the enemy? And, and it's legal. <laughs> it's legal. We have the Holy Spirit who knows all things, who's empowered in all things, who can do anything, that if we would tap into the legal Holy Spirit in the church, in our lives personally, we have an advantage over the enemy. Somebody say amen. He says in verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, word of knowledge through the same Spirit, faith through the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings. Notice it didn't say the gift of healing. It says gifts of healings. He says by the same spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Who works all of these gifts? Is it you and I who work them? No, it's, it's you and I who are channels of the work. But it's the Holy Spirit who works these gifts. And let's just thank him right now that he's working these gifts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you work these gifts. He said, distributing, notice this, to each one individually as we want. Is that what it says? The Holy Spirit works the gifts and the Holy Spirit gives the gifts according to what we want. Is that what it says? No, it says according to what, what? According to what he wills. So what we need to do is seek him and, and he'll give us the gifts as, as they're needed He'll allow these things to be distributed. Now, the, the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit are broken up into three categories. Three categories. We'll break them up into this. Number one is the gifts that reveal something. Another one is gifts that do something. And another one is gifts that say something. Okay? The three gifts that reveal something would be, some would call the gifts of revelation or the gifts of discerning. And that would be the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, 
and the discerning of spirits, actually seeing into the spirit, the spirit world of uh, not only demons, but angels and things. It's the discerning that their spirits, some of you may uh, have operated in that before. But that's the gifts that reveal something. You're, you're in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden your eyes are open to something and you're like, I just know this. I don't know why I know it. Never talked to him about this before, but I just know it, right? There's, there are gifts that flow. The other uh, gifts are the gifts that do something. These are the gifts of power or these are the dynamic gifts. This is the gift of faith. That's not just faith comes by hearing Romans 10, 17. Because everyone has faith. And everyone has a measure of faith, and everyone can build their faith by putting the word of God in their heart. No, this is a gift of faith. This is faith you didn't earn. This is faith you didn't, you didn't put the word of God. All of a sudden, you just believe supernaturally, and you don't know why you believe, right? The gift of faith, the working of miracles, uh, that's not just like a, a, a healing. That's like, say, if an, if, if an arm didn't, you know, was shortened here, and it's not just healing the arm. It's actually the working of miracles growing back out the arm. This is the working of miracles and the, dis, uh, and the gifts of healings. Again, this isn't just asking God and believing God for healing. No, this is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit for the gifts of healings. Then there's three gifts that say something. This would be prophecy. It's a gift of utterance or declarative gifts. Gift of utterance or declarative gifts. Gifts that say something. This is a gift of prophecy, the gift of different kinds of tongues, now, I want, I want to point, and then the, uh, the gifts of interpretation of tongues. Now, I want to point something out. When he says the gift of different kinds of tongues, this is not your prayer language. This is not you praying on your own in the spirit, which you can do anytime. Every single person in the body, every single person that would receive the Holy Spirit can pray in tongues, can pray in the spirit on their own. They can do that. But he's talking about in a corporate atmosphere, He's saying uh, in a corporate atmosphere that these are gifts of the Holy Spirit that as the Spirit wills to use these gifts in a corporate, corporate atmosphere, there are different kinds of tongues and they always come with interpretation of tongues in order to be used properly. Why? Because nobody's edified with just tongues. I could stand up here and pray in tongues for an hour long and nobody would be blessed except me. I'd be pumped up. Like, man, I feel good today. And you're like, we have no idea what you're talking about, man. And that's what Paul was saying. It doesn't help you that I stand up here and speak in tongues. It helps me, right? Builds me up. And Paul, Paul didn't say you shouldn't speak in tongues. He said, I, w- I-, I wish all of you, I wish all y'all spoke in tongues. He says, but I wish all y'all more than that would prophesy. Why? Because prophecy would edify people and build them up. So there's three gifts that say something, say something. This prophetic weekend that's starting on Friday, we're talking specifically about prophecy. So I'm going to give you four points right now on the gift of prophecy. We're going to go quick, so write these down. The gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Number one, prophecy is the most important gift. Prophecy is, out of the nine gifts, prophecy is the most important gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5 It says this, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Did Paul say you shouldn't all speak with tongues? No, he said, I wish you all would. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesied is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Notice, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. In a corporate setting, when you stand up and prophesy, 
You're speaking something that's encouraging the body, and you're greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless, indeed, he interprets. He says, you can speak in tongues unless you interpret that the church may receive edification. What is he saying? He's saying that tongues builds up a person. We see that in Jude 20. But you, beloved, on your, uh, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in, in tongues, every single day of my life, I wake up. And almost the first thing I do, and I try to do it for quite a while, I just pray in tongues. I pray in the Spirit. Why? Because I'm, that's my spiritual workout in the morning. I'm bu- and I open God's Word, and I get God's Word into me. But I'm praying in the Spirit to build my own spirit up. And that's what Jude says. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. In a church setting, though, prophecy is more helpful. It's greater than tongues. He says here, tongues with interpretation. He says, uh, um, Prophecy is better than tongues unless the tongues have an interpretation to them. Meaning that prophecy, or meaning that tongues with an interpretation would equal prophecy. Does that make sense? So on these, these gifts that say something, there's tongues and interpretation of tongues, but when the tongues are interpreted, it would be equal to prophecy. Why? Because the interpretation of it will build up the church. Just like prophecy will build up the church. So he's saying, so if you're going to give an interpretation, you make sure that, or if you're going to give a tongue, make sure that there's an interpretation that goes along with it. Why? Because it builds up the church. Tongue with interpretation is equivalent to prophecy. Tongues with, tongues is, if you were to say this in a corporate setting, tongues is an inspired utterance in an unknown language. Tongues is an inspired utterance, comes from the Holy Spirit in an unknown language. Uh, Prophecy is an inspired utterance in a known tongue. And the interpretation of tongues is an inspired utterance in your own tongue that gives forth what was said in tongues. Okay, so those three, they they go, they're very close, they're very similar. Why? Because in the end, they're all built, they're meant to build up and edify the church. So number one is that prophecy is the most important gift for the body in a corporate setting. Number two, prophecy builds up encourages and brings comfort to others. Number two, prophecy builds up, encourages and brings comfort to others. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, but he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. If I stand up here and I'm praying in tongues, who am I speaking to? Speaking to God. On a, I have a personal prayer language. Who am I praying to? I'm praying to God. Tongues aren't for you. Tongues aren't for others. He says, I'm praying to God. So the the arrow points up. He says, does not speak to men for God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Some people say, I don't speak in tongues because I don't know what I'm saying. That's the point. (laughs) I'm speaking mysteries. He says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Simple biblical prophecy does this. When you're prophesying by the Holy Spirit, it's always going to bring edification, What is edification? It means strengthening you, building you up. Exhortation, what does that mean? It means it's going to encourage you. Or it's going to bring comfort. It's going to bring peace on the inside. Someone just prophesied to you, and you're strengthened, you're encouraged, you're settled on the inside. That's what biblical prophecy. Notice that it doesn't say in any of these that biblical prophecy brings prediction. See, because some people get confused that biblical prophecy always has to be predicting. That's what's going to happen in the future. Biblical, in fact, 
Biblical prophecy, just the simple biblical prophecy right here by definition, has nothing to do with prediction. It has to do with strength, encouragement, and bringing peace, bringing hope. Yeah, it's, it's just someone walking in that. Um, prophecy is not also, it's not uh, equivalent to preaching. Some people will say, well, what prophecy is is if you stand up to preach, like right now I'm standing up to teach you something just out of the word. That's what, that's what biblical prophecy is. Well, no, not necessarily because it says in Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved to God or to present yourself approved to God. A worker doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If it was just prophecy, I wouldn't have to study. It would just come by the Spirit of God. No, it's something that I'm, I'm studying. But what happens is sometimes in the middle of sharing the word, there are things that come to your heart that you've never thought of. You didn't plan. You didn't prepare for. That comes in witnessing sometimes. Have you ever went to go share with someone about uh, the gospel and all of a sudden a scripture came and you're like, I didn't even know I knew that, right? Or you're going and you're talking to someone about Jesus and you're like, I didn't even know I knew that. What was it? Well, sometimes that's biblical prophecy that's just flowing right through you. It's an inspired utterance that's coming out of your heart to be a blessing to them. Prophecy does bring encouragement, strength, and peace. Number three, we should all desire to prophesy. Number three, we should all desire, every one of us in here, every one of us watching online, we should have a desire to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Desire that you may prophesy. The gift of prophecy is often confused with the office of a prophet. See, God did not call everyone to operate in the office of a prophet. Let me give you a for instance, okay? Um, a rich man, person who's very wealthy, has money. Um, I may have money in my pocket, and I pull out money. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm a rich man because I have money and they have money. Just because someone prophesies doesn't mean that they're a prophet. But it means that they have flowed in prophecy or they do flow in prophecy, but that doesn't mean that they have the office of a prophet. In, in fact, uh, right at the end, I believe it's in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. But he does tell everybody to, to have a, a desire to prophesy. So we can all have a desire to prophesy, but we, are, we aren't all going to be prophets, right? Some people think because God used them and they prophesied something that they're now a prophet. No, 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 not, no, no. Prophet is something that you're called to and probably other people know you are too. Because it's just something that God's called you to. It's an office. God gave some apostles and some prophets, not all, but all can flow in these things, some evangelists and pastors and teachers. We should all desire to prophesy, but not all be prophets. And number four is this. So number three was we should all desire to prophesy. And number four is this. We can all prophesy. We can all prophesy. If you're a born-again believer having the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you can prophesy. It says in... Uh, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 31, it says, For you can all prophesy, one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. <laughs> Come on, just say this. I can prophesy so that all can learn and all can be encouraged. Would you just tell yourself, according to the Bible, I can prophesy. Yeah, that's what he says. He says, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and may all, all may be encouraged. He says, And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophet, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace is in all the churches. Verse 31, prophecy is for everybody. It's not just for the select. 
It's for everybody, and we should all desire. Verse 32, it says, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What is he saying? It's saying, just because you prophesy doesn't mean you don't have control over yourself. There are people who said, I couldn't help it. I just like, they, like they're, you know, throwing up or something. Like, I couldn't help it. I just had to come. The Holy Spirit made me do it. The Holy Spirit isn't going to make you prophesy. He says, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. In other words, you have control to hold your peace. And do you know just because you sense something in a corporate setting doesn't mean you always have to say it? And we don't, we, we don't, we don't have any issues with that in here ever. But I'm just saying, I think that that's a thing that just because you sense it, I'll walk into other churches and corporate settings and there's something that I really sense sometimes that the Holy Spirit's saying. And I just hold my peace and someone will stand up and say, you know what, I just sense this. And they stepped out and it was exactly right in line with, with what I said. Well, just because you sense something doesn't mean you always have to say it. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And then he says in verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches. It means that there can be order in prophecy without limiting prophecy. There can be order and structure in prophecy. I believe that at Memphis Tabernacle, prophecy and the gifts of the spirit should be at work ongoingly, regularly. But there is order and there is decency that it happens. Uh, that it should happen. And some say, well, you can't control the Holy Spirit. I didn't say control the Holy Spirit. We're not controlling the Holy Spirit, but what we are doing is in a corporate setting, it says that God doesn't bring confusion. Let me tell you, for instance, I've grown up in, uh, in Pentecostal, charismatic environments, been to different churches and different things. And sometimes you'd be in the pastor or the, the preacher would be up here and he's preaching a message. And right in the middle of the message, someone, you know, oh, no, and they start yelling out and stuff. And people like look around like, who the heck's yelling, man? Are you going to take, well, they're, no, they're stepping out on a gift. Do you know God's not the author of confusion? And I'll tell and they say, well, that was the Holy Spirit speaking. So are you saying the person on the platform's not speaking? So did the Holy Spirit interrupt himself? Right? So see, <laughs> Right? And, and sometimes we just think, well, well, he spoke. I couldn't help it. Well, you know, you can help it. There's an order to it. There's an order to it. Right? And if, if, like right now, when I'm teaching, I believe that I'm teaching with the Holy Spirit's help. Right? And I'm going through it and saying something. So you wouldn't just yell out and say, well, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Well, the Holy Spirit speaking to me too and through me. So there's order. There's structure. There are ways of doing it. Let me just tell you, one of the ways that we'll do it, and we'll talk about this, one of the ways that we do it, that if you sense the Holy Spirit is saying something on a corporate level, come up and bring it to one of the pastors or one of the leaders up here on the front row and just say, hey, I sense the Holy Spirit is saying that. And then if they say, okay, I was uh, either you share it or I'll share it or we'll share it next time. You don't say, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. No, you've done your part. You brought it back to the leadership of the church, and, and you just let it fall with them. And, and you know, some people, well, they're going to get judgment if they don't listen to me. No, no, no. The spirit, the gifts of the spirit are not to control an atmosphere. They're to encourage the church. So you just bring those gifts back, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you just, you'll stand up and either share it or someone will share it for you. But nevertheless, we want the gifts of the spirit to uh, be in operation. Somebody say Amen. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Can you say on all flesh? Well, who is the Holy Spirit supposed to be poured out on? All flesh. All flesh. Sometimes we get into this, are you part of, are you a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, Presbyterian church, uh, Episcopalian church, Charismatic church? you know, uh, uh, this church. No, the Bible didn't come and say whatever church you're on, that's where the Holy Spirit's gonna, 
No, he says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters. Notice this. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Who's going to prophesy? Sons and daughters. Your young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Men servants, maid servants. I'll pour out my spirit. He says on sons, on daughters, on young people, on old people, on men, on women. I'm going to pour out my spirit and they shall all prophesy. Why? Because we can all prophesy. We should desire it. We should expect it. Not just in the church, but on a regular uh, part of our lives. We should have our spirits open to the Holy Spirit to be able to minister and bless others. I want you to do this. Right where you are, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes, just right where you are. Would you put your hands out to the Lord as a representation of your heart and say, Lord, would you speak through me to minister to others? Just say it. Lord, would you speak to me to minister to others? Would you flow through me your word? I don't want any phony baloney. I don't want any fake stuff. I don't want any made up stuff, but I don't want to limit the operation of the Holy Spirit in my life and in this church. I don't want to minister the operate. I don't want to limit the operation of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want you to flow through me. Come on, you pray it on your own. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Holy Spirit, show me how to minister. Show me how to flow and to function, to be a blessing to other people. And God, I pray as a pastor here at Memphis Tabernacle right now, I pray that you'd pour out the Holy Spirit in this church. Not just, not just here and now, but ongoingly, that there would be the flow and the release of the Holy Spirit right now, I pray. And just like it says in the Bible, we receive the Holy Spirit. Would you say that we receive the Holy Spirit and we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this body, in this church, and to flow in this church body, but through this church body, we pray. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.